So I don't know if you know who you're sitting around, if you know the person's name to your left or to your right. And if you don't, this is going to be a perfect time to ask because you'll need their name to do this, okay? And so this is Tyler. And I want you to tell your neighbor on each side of you, Tyler, Jesus died for you. Jesus died for you. And I want you to tell me that too. Yeah, yeah. Mark. Thank you. Would you do that to each other? Tell the person, call them by their name and let them know that Jesus died for them. That's what Jesus wants you to know, church. If he were to come here today, he would say, Michael, I died for you. Maritza, I died for you. Carol, I died for you. That's what Christ wants us to know. So I thought it was kind of fun. Brian started off with a little funny. It was fun to get a little giggle in before we got started. And I was... I opened up my binder and we print out this order of worship and the worship songs that we're going to do. And I was curious to see what was going to be our first song. And so I, I opened it up and it says, Happy Day. Oh, happy day, happy day. And I'm thinking, okay, that's an interesting first song. Well, that's Sunday's service. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I trust our worship team. They've never steered me wrong, but I thought, all right, happy day. That's an interesting song to start off with. And I'm like, oh, here it is. We're... We're grounded. God is so good. Our God is so good. We're going to, I'm going to open up with a story. And um, we all know the story because it's in God's Word. So I want you to turn, ironically, to Matthew chapter 27. And we're going to read that story together. And it's on the screen, and if you notice, it just says Matthew 27. And that's because we're going to read this story, Matthew 27. Which, if you look in your Bibles, it has 66 verses. Okay? So we're going to read that story together. And then we're going to talk about a few things that we're going to take away from this story. Arguably one thing. From the story of Matthew chapter 27. And we'll talk about that when we're done reading it. And then, uh, and then Russ Marsoff, one of our elders, is going to lead us in a time of communion. And then we'll close in a song. You guys ready for Matthew 27? Now when morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people conferred together against Jesus to put Him to death. I was thinking earlier while we were worshiping, you know, sometimes we think we would have wanted to be there when Jesus was crucified and when Jesus rose again on the third day. And I'm not, I'm not so sure I'd want to be there. Knowing what I know now, I don't know... You know, years ago when The Passion of the Christ came out, I could hardly watch the movie. I don't know that I'd want to be there. You know what I mean? And they bound him in verse 2 and led him away and delivered him to Pilate, the governor. Then when Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that he had been condemned, he, he felt remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. And he says, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. But they said, what is that to us? See to that yourself, Judas. And he threw the pieces of silver into the temple sanctuary and departed, and he went away and hanged himself. And the chief priest took the pieces of silver and said, It is not lawful to put them into the temple treasury, 
Apparently it's lawful to crucify an innocent human being. Since it is the price of blood, they said. And they conferred together with the money. Um, and they bought the potter's field as a burial place for strangers. And for this reason, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then that which was spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. Of course it was. Where he wrote hundreds and hundreds of years earlier that they took the 30 pieces of silver and the price of the one whose price had been set by the sons of Israel and they gave them for the potter's field as the Lord directed me. Verse 11. Now Jesus stood before the governor and the governor questioned him. Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said to him, it is as you say. And while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he did not answer. And then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? And he didn't answer him with regard to even a single charge. And so the governor was quite amazed. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the people any one prisoner whom they wanted. And at that time, they were holding a a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. And so when the people gathered together, Pilate said to them, Who do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who was called Christ? For he knew that because of envy, they had the religious rulers had handed him over. And while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife, Pilate's wife, sent him a message and he said, have nothing to do with that righteous man. For last night I suffered greatly in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to put Jesus to death. The governor said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. And Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus who was called Christ, which means Messiah, which means anointed one, And they all said, crucify him. And he said, why? What evil has he done? And they kept shouting all the more, saying, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was accomplishing nothing, but rather that a riot was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to that yourselves. And all the people said, His blood shall be on us and on our children. Wow. Then he released Barabbas for them, but after having Jesus scourged, he handed him over to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole Roman cohort around him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And after twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head. And they read in his right hand, and they knelt down before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spat on him and took the reed and began to beat him on the head. After they had mocked him, they took the scarlet robe off him and put his own garments back on him and led him away to crucify him. As they were coming out, they found a man of Cyrene whose name was Simon, and they pressed into service this Simon to bear the cross of Jesus. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they gave him wine to drink mixed with gall, and after tasting it, he was unwilling to drink. Verse 35, And when they had crucified him, they divided up his garments along, among themselves by casting lots. And sitting down, they began to keep watch over him there. And above his head, they put up the charge against him, which read this, that this is Jesus, the King of the Jews, which is a form of mocking him. And at that time, two robbers were crucified, one on each side, and those passing by were hurling abuse 
at him and wagging their heads, saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. In reality, it's because he's the Son of God, he has to stay on the cross. Verse 41, In the same way, the chief priests also, along with the scribes and elders, were mocking him and saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the King of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now. If he delights in him, for he said, I am the Son of God. And the robbers who had been crucified with him were also insulting him with the same words. Now from the sixth hour, darkness fell upon the land until the ninth hour. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of those who were standing there when they heard it began saying, this man's calling for Elijah. And immediately one of them ran and taking a sponge, he filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave him a drink. But the rest of them said, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Thank you, Jesus. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after the resurrection, they entered the holy city and appeared to many. Now the centurion and those who were with him, keeping guard over Jesus, when they saw the earthquake and the things that were happening, became very frightened and proclaimed, truly, this was the Son of God. And many women were there looking on from a distance who had followed Jesus from Galilee while ministering to him. Among them was Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Joseph and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. Verse 57, when it was evening there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. And this man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb which he had hewn out in the rock and he rolled a large stone against the entrance of the tomb and went away. And Mary Magdalene was there and the other Mary sitting opposite the grave. Verse 62, Now on the next day, the day after the preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered together with Pilate and he said, Sir, we remember that he was still alive. That when he was still alive, the deceiver said this, that after three days I'm going to rise again. Therefore, give orders to the Uh, for the grave to be made secure until that third day. Otherwise, his disciples might come and steal him away and say to the people, He has risen from the dead, and the last deception will be worse than the first. And Pilate said to them, You have a guard. Go make it as secure as you know how. And they went and made the grave secure. And along with the guard, they set a seal on the stone. Welcome. Welcome and good evening. My name is Mark. I'm one of the pastors here at the Rock Community Church. We're so grateful that you have joined us tonight. And we pray, I pray, that you gain a deeper understanding of just how much our Lord loves us, desires to be in relationship with us, and the sacrifices that He will endure in order to bring that love and desire to a reality. And He still does that today. So let me ask you this. I asked this last year. What is so good about Good Friday? Wikipedia says this, that Good Friday is a Christian religious holiday commemorating the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and His death at Calvary. 
the holiday is observed during Holy Week on the Friday preceding Easter Sunday and may coincide with the Jewish observance of Passover. It is also known as Holy Friday, Great Friday, or Black Friday. I ask you again, what is so good about Good Friday? Let's pray. God, we are grateful to be here. But more than anything, Lord, we're grateful for the love that you extended to us on the cross. Lord, this side of heaven, we pray that we can understand that more today than we did yesterday, more tomorrow than we do today. For it means everything. It means everything to you to be back in relationship with us, and it means everything to us to be back in relationship with you. It's the only way it could have happened, Lord. And for that reason, we praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, What is so good about Good Friday? The Dictionary of Christianity in America says this, that since the early days of Christianity, Good Friday has been a time of somber reflection, penance, and meditation. In Roman Catholic tradition, the Mass is not celebrated on Good Friday, nor on Holy Saturday. Bells are not sounded, organs are not played, and black is the color of the day. What is so good about Good Friday? The crucifixion of Jesus contains both Roman and Jewish elements. It was the Jewish leaders who initiated Jesus' arrest and His trial. Since the Jewish Sanhedrin did not have the power to inflict capital punishment, Pilate's decision was necessary before crucifixion could, could occur, and Romans actually carried out the execution. At Jesus' crucifixion, Roman custom was observed in his scourging, his mock enthronement and stripping, the bearing of his own crossbeam, being nailed to the cross, the breaking of the legs of the two thieves. The elevated site of Golgotha fits the Roman custom of displaying criminals publicly. What is so good about Good Friday? The crown of thorns. Jesus' crown was formed from a prickly shrub, an ironic parody of a victorious person's wreath, which is exactly what he was. Its combination with the robe, the scepter, and the satirical inscription on the cross that Jesus was the King of the Jews were all meant to mock Him as one who was defeated in His aspirations to try to become what He already actually was, which was the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. And so instead of killing that, they were confirming it. It's beautiful. What is so good about Good Friday? The blood of Jesus Christ. Christ's death was sacrificial bloodshedding. It was a sacrificial bloodshedding. In the pouring out of blood, a life was given up. In the pouring out of His blood, His life was given up for you, Tyler. For you, Karen. It was a pouring out of blood in place of you. In substitution for you. Instead of you. Randy, instead of you going to the cross, I'm going to do that for you. Are you okay with that? Heck yeah. Knock yourself out. Christ came to shed His blood by a loving act of God's will. He was sent innocently. It's not just that He was sent instead of and it's a substitute for you, but He did nothing wrong and paid that price when we did everything wrong. He was sent innocently. He was innocent. And He came obediently. Oh, what is so good about Good Friday. Let me tell you, we just read a great story. And 
It was a lot of verses, and I would encourage you to reread that. But I'm going to point out some things, kind of chunk by chunk by chunk by chunk, which you probably didn't catch, and that's okay. But we're going to go through, we're going to look at two things from those 66 verses. Do we have that on the screen here, right? The cast of characters. Go back and look at the cast of characters, and we're going to talk about the cast of characters. And then it also mentions the characteristics of Christ. There's a cast of characters, and then the characteristics of Christ. On some level, we're all the cast of characters. All these cast of characters in Matthew 27 is you and I. Check this out. The cast of characters. In verses 1 and 2, you can look in your Bible if you want while we do this, but you don't have to. In verses 1 and 2, you have the chief priests and the elders. That's the cast of characters in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 27. You have the chief priests and the elders. And what did they do? They conferred together against Jesus to do what? To put Him to death. To confer together means that they took counsel against Jesus. They made plans against Jesus. They plotted against Jesus. Jesus. Okay? That's the first cast of characters. In verses 3 through 10, we see this character named Judas. And what did Judas do? He betrayed him. And it talks in those seven, eight verses about how Judas betrayed him, right? So you have verses 1 and 2, the chief priests and elders plotted against him. Judas betrays him. And then in verses 11 through 14, you have Pilate the governor. And what did he do? He questions him. I can't imagine questioning Jesus. But Pilate questions him in verses 11 through 14. And in 15 through 18, we, we're introduced to the cast of characters called the people or the crowd in verses 15 through 18. And what do they do? It says they gathered together against him and shouted, crucify him. Oh, okay, let's get to the next cast of characters. Verses 19 through 26, we have the wife of Pilate, the governor, and we have Pilate, the governor. The wife says what? Have nothing to do with that righteous man. But she actually only sent him a message. She didn't really go much further to stop that from happening. And then Pilate, in these verses, he has Jesus scourged and hands him over to be crucified. So that's the cast of characters in 19 through 26. And then in 27 through 31, the cast of characters are now the soldiers and the Roman battalion. And what do they do in those verses? They stripped him, they mocked him, they spat on him, and they beat him. Okay, let's go to verse 32. Then we have Simon of Cyrene. He was, it says, pressed into service to do what? To bear his cross. What does it mean to be pressed into service? It means to be forced or compelled. He doesn't want to do it. They make him do it. All right, that was verse 32. 33 through 37, we have the soldiers again. What's going on here? They divide up his garments. They put up a charge against him which says, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. And then we get into verses 38 through 54. And you have these cast of characters. You have the two robbers. You have those passing by. So the two robbers are in verse 38. Those passing by are in verse 39. And then you have the chief priests, scribes, and elders in verse 41. What do they do in this section? Well, those passing by were hurling abuse at him. Okay. The chief priests, also with the scribes and elders, were mocking him. And then the robbers were also insulting him, is what Scripture says. Okay. Let's go to verse 55 and 56. We have three, four cast of characters here. It says there are many women. I don't know how many is, many. Among them, so that's one cast of characters, a lot of women. Among them are Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother 
of the sons of Zebedee, which are James and John. So you have many women, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. And what were they doing? It says in verses 55 and 56 that they were looking from a distance. They were not even near Jesus. In verses 57 through 61, we have Joseph is now introduced as a cast of character. He's a rich dude from Arimathea and a disciple of Jesus. He's a rich dude and a disciple of Jesus, but he's not there. Because it says that he showed up when it was evening. Interesting. And then in the closing verses, 62 through 66, you have the cast of characters are this. You have the chief priests, Pharisees, and Pilate. You have his disciples, and you have the Roman guard. More casts of characters. What are they doing? Well, the chief priests, Pharisees, and Pilate declare Jesus a deceiver, which is a term for Satan. And they place the Roman guard at the grave to squelch the ongoing deception. And then it says about his disciples, otherwise his, dis- his disciples may come. They're not there, is what that means. Right? So guard the grave because the disciples might show up. They're not even there. Okay. That's an interesting cast of characters. There's a lot of moving parts. Here's the characteristics of Christ. Not as many as what we just went through. In verse 4, Judas declares that I have sinned by betraying what? Innocent blood. That's a characteristic of Christ. He's innocent. And Judas knows it. In verse 11, Pilate says, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus says, It is, as you say. In verse 19, Pilate's wife told her husband, Have nothing to do with who? That righteous man. Hmm, interesting. In verse 22, Pilate says, What shall I do with this Jesus who is called the what? The Christ. Hmm. Pilate asks in verse 23, why? What evil has he done? He's done nothing wrong. In verse 43, those mocking him said that he trusts in God, another characteristic of our Jesus, which was a fulfillment of Psalm 22, verse 8. In verse 45, the centurion recognized that truly this was the Son of God, another characteristic in Matthew 27. And in verse 63, 63, the chief priests, Pharisees, and Pilate remember that Jesus said, after three days, I will rise again, which is exactly what happened. So we see all these characteristics of Christ amongst all these cast of characters that represent you and I. We're all around Jesus. And none of those cast of characters in those 66 verses is doing a swell job, are they? None of them. So I ask one last time, what is so good about Good Friday? This chapter, this scenario, Matthew 27, just represents how it is with us and with Christ. At that moment, Christ took the cross. And those people, that cast of characters that fell short in every way, shape, or form, whether they were in the form of a friend or in the form of a foe, fell short of coming alongside Christ, of matching up to what Christ needed to do for us. They were sinners who have... um, grossly fallen short of the glory of God because that's what Scripture says for we all fall short of the glory of God for we are all sinners and in that cast of characters those that followed Him and those that didn't follow Him are all falling short and it's in that moment amongst all those cast of characters that are failing in a bunch of different ways that Christ takes to the cross and that's important for us Because we say to ourselves, yeah, but but what about me? Did Christ really die for me? He doesn't understand my condition. This cast of characters tells us that He absolutely does. It represents the gamut of all of mankind. 
all the crazy things that we do to fall short. And we say, but, but does that cover me? Yes, it covers you. That's what that cast of characters shows us, that he took the cross amidst whatever failure we've experienced in, when it comes in relationship to Jesus Christ. Yes, his blood will cover your sin. Yes, you are amongst the cast of characters that he died for. Amen? Check this out. Go to Romans, because this is what Raph, Romans 5, a little bit to the right of Matthew 7. Romans 5, verses 6 through 11. Romans 5, starting in verse 6. Church, Paul wants us to know, for while we were still helpless... At the right time, because that's the right time. There's never going to be a time where we're not helpless. We're always helpless. And so at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. There's no ungodliness that He can't cover. At the right time, Christ died for you and for me. For one will hardly die for a righteous man. Perhaps for the good man, someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners is when he took the cross. And that's what you see in the cast of characters of Matthew 27, that all these sinners that are around him is when he took the cross. Verse 9, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through Jesus Christ. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life when He's resurrected from the dead. And not only this, but we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received the reconciliation. In verse 6 when it says, For while we were still helpless, that word helpless is Greek is asthenes, A-S-T-H-E-N-E-S. It means morally weak and unable. We are morally weak and unable. That's who we are. That's what that cast of characters shows us in Matthew 27, that we are incapable of measuring up to God's holy standard. And Christ is. And so He had to take the cross. So, what is so good about Good Friday? It's a great day. Only Christ can do what Christ did. And so that's what He did. And on some level, only we can do what only we can do is we fall short, which forces us to turn our eyes and our affections and our attentions to Jesus Christ in all things because that's what He's capable of. Psalm 118.24 says this, and then Russ is going to come up to lead us in a time of communion. Psalm 118.24 says, This is the day which the Lord has made. May we rejoice and be glad in it. Rejoice. Be glad in this day. Thank the Lord like you've never thanked Him before. That while you and I were helpless, that's when He died for us. The Lord made this day. A long time ago, He made the day of crucifixion for you and for me. Let us rejoice right now and be glad in it. Amen?